gets dudes, seduces them, takes them back. Here's the process once again, Noah. Okay, yeah, good, good, good. number one, he goes to the bar, huh. seduces another male. Okay. Number two, he brings the male back. Number three, he yeah. kills him. Number four, he puts it, he chops his body up, puts it in the fridge. F- sorry, freezer. By fridge, I mean freezer. Number And then number five, he dethaws and <laughs> frees it to his girlfriend that's chained up in the bathroom because she's also a zombie. You're listening to the Dude Nature Podcast. Welcome to the Dude Nature Podcast. We are here in the reactor. I opened the blinds. Adam wants them down. It was too dark. I'm here with my brother, Adam. What's up, everyone? How's everyone doing? This is Adam. That sound is Noah. What's up? We're here in the sunny room. Sunny reactor today. Hey, Adam. Yep. We got a Halloween special episode. We do. We got the special, 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 special. The Halloween special. Halloween special. Special. Gripe suggestion. Zombie episode. Gripe suggestion for you. Um, My gripe is... So we've been vegetarian. Obviously, we've been saying it a lot. There's this thing called the Impossible Burger, which I really wanted to try. I've tried a lot of Beyond Burgers, and Beyond Burgers are are pretty good. But I've heard that Impossible Burgers really have the taste of meat. So I got the Impossible Burger yesterday. <clears throat> <laughs> what was that? Not only does I was glad my voice. There's a duck in so here. There's a duck in here. Not only does the Impossible Burger uh, look exactly like meat, it really tastes like it too. So much so that I was gagging while eating it. So it's like it looks exactly I, like you're eating an animal. I hate that. Um. So I eat it, right? It's gluten-free. It's gluten-free. It's soy-free. Um, everything's supposed to be good with it, right? Okay. No problems. All right. Okay? I eat it and literally to this moment have had the worst stomach slash farts I've had. <laughs> that, literally that, in like that is years. how an episode has started. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how you start a I podcast mean, just, episode. My, so my gripe is, is on the Jewish stomach. Like It's like, come on. Like, Are you kidding? Like, I should like, just well, be able what to are eat you, something. What are you mad about? What are like, you mad about me, now? Let me just eat something you, without I mean, just dying. Clearly, like the moment after I eat it, I got the feeling like you'd eaten like five cartons of ice cream. It's like the very specific oh Jewish, God. Jewish stomach yeah. feeling. Just like this, just not yeah. it's in like, your stomach. Uh, okay. So what's your gripe? Um... <laughs> that was good. Um, my gripe, honestly, I know I've had this gripe before, but it's really starting to bother me. I don't understand why I am have a belly. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like I work out all the time. I like eat pretty. I eat better than most people, but yet, yet it doesn't seem it doesn't seem to matter. Keep going. It doesn't seem to matter because whatever I do. I just like have this <laughs> yeah. belly, and it sucks ass. And my girlfriend's like just doesn't look at me the same. It's sad. It's so stupid. No, I agree. I'm so mad about you, it. What you, the hell am I supposed have, to do? You have a little Seriously, punch. What am I supposed to do? Like, am I supposed to just work out every single day of the week? No. Okay, uh, so then what? No. Then how do I get rid You're of this? Not a professional athlete. How okay, but then, but then how do I get rid of my belly? Because I do work out six days of the week and don't even eat bad. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that you need to get to like the working out for an hour each day level. Well, cardio, you mean for each day? Yeah, an hour of fucking of rip of rip sauce each day. Hey, my digestion is great. Also, the veg is actually like has actually been nice to me. Um, one thing about about your digestion though, before we move on, um, the f- stuff that that isn't meat that tries to pretend to be like meat, it's not for me. Like the jackfruit or the the Impossible Burger stuff, just be just be an, be an herb. Mm-hmm. Don't try and be meat. It's gr- it's gross, isn't it? 
it's not loud enough. No. Loud enough. Hey. Noah. Yeah. Let's play a little game. Mm-hmm. If you were Touch in a zombie pandemic, what building type would you like to defend? Or like, where would you set up your base? That's such a great question. Damn it. Okay, well, you want one. This is coming from uh, Don. What game do we play all the time? Left for Dead. Left for Dead. You want like one Pin long. Pin the tail on the donkey. <laughs> Pin the tail on the donkey. Pinata. Yeah. One long entranceway. Yeah. You know what I mean? That you can all shoot out of. Also like a tower defense game. Yeah, but honestly, like pretty much, you, you kind of want something to protect from humans. Oh, because that's the real danger. Yeah, the humans are the real danger. You're thinking like Walking Dead kind of thing? Yeah. So where would you defend then? Um, honestly, a church would be pretty good. Why do you think a church? Because it's tall. You could go up on the top and shoot down on people. There's a lot of entrances though. There's one big entrance. You could, you could, oh, there's a lot of windows though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going with the classics here. I'm, I'm an island. I'm an island guy. Oh my God. I didn't even think about that. Cause, Cause they typically, they can't swim, right? Like in World War Z, they can walk on the bottom of the ocean. Okay. Now I have a, so if you're on an island, it's really defensible. Okay. But how about resources? There's resources on the island. It's yeah, but a, it's a you, bigger island. Oh, so a big island. So so you've got to patrol the island because what if people land on the far side? You don't know. You don't know it until right. it's too late. Right. It's a bigger island. Would you put up signs around it, being like, if you land here, like where well, you're going to get attacked? Yeah, if you land here, you're going to get popped. So don't just just do pretty, us all a favor and don't in, land here. In the zompocalypse, that's pretty much expected. If you see another group of humans, you probably you're probably going to get popped. All I can think about about the zompocalypse when I was researching this episode was that there wouldn't be monogamy probably in these bands. <laughs> What do you mean? I'm just saying because as as far as a monogamy episode goes, you know, monogamy is about raising children. That's yeah. really why monogamy happens. In you don't think you, you need to raise children in Zompocalypse more than ever? Yeah, but it would be a group. It'd be group raising because you you you'd be with that one yeah, group. It's more of a commune. It's more of a commune. It's more of a commune colony situation. Yeah, I don't know about monogamy so much in there. No, what's our topic today, guys? Our topic is zombies. Okay, all different kinds of zombies. Halloween. Special, 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 special. special. Adam, mm-hmm. you have 60 seconds to tell us about zombies. You ready? Yep. Okay. Three, two, one. Guys, zombies have infused, infusion, popular culture from the <laughs> thriller music video, you know, Michael Jackson and all the dead people, to The Walking Dead, uh, the show, you know, that a lot of people watch, and also the comics that are really crazy. While a term comes from Haitian folklore, which no one's going to get into in a second, was introduced to Western culture in the movie, the 1929 movie, The Magic Island, which tells the story of a narrator encountering a voodoo cult. Of course, the most famous zombie movie, and really the progenitor of the zombie myth, is George Romero's movie, what is it, Noah? Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead, about seven people trapped in a rural West Pennsylvania farmhouse in 1968. The film was made. It was somehow shot, crazily enough, on a $114,000 budget. It made $30 million internationally. That's how you fucking make That's that profit, fucking baby. money. That's how you print money. That's a profit. So people love that shit, okay? So to, where does the story of the zombies start, Noah? Please tell us. Mm. But first, tell us your theme. Mm. I, would lo- I would love to. Yeah. I would love to, Adam. Okay, the theme for this episode is mirror, okay? Because zombies can tell us a lot about our past and a lot about ourselves. Actually, absolutely. Okay? And so now, I'm going to start with the origin of zombies. I'm going to, warning, fair warning, it's going to get a little sad and dark here. Okay, but this is where zombies come from. They do not come from a good place, as you can probably imagine. <laughs> okay, so the zombie the zombie first appeared in Haiti in the 1700s when the country was known as Saint Domingue. 
Why was it known as Saint and Domingue? Someone correct me because that's definitely not how you actually say it. Dom, Dom, Domingue? Yeah, so it was known as Saint Domingue. I'm going to go ahead and keep calling it as Haiti for the, just for the listeners so they don't just hear me butcher a word okay. for an hour. Okay, and ruled by France, which, which hauled in African slaves to work on sugar plantations. So France controlled Haiti and they had horrible, horrible slavery there. Okay, the slavery in, in Haiti was brutal. According to the Atlantic, half of the slaves brought in from Africa were worked to death within a few years. Oh terrible, terrible slavery here. The idea of a zombie was born out of this misery, misery and subjugation, like being a prisoner in your own body. Okay, so the Haitian slaves believed that, believed that by dying, they would finally be able to return back to Africa and be free. However, the big thing with them was that if you so, a lot of slaves were committing suicide. Because mm-hmm. because how horrible the conditions were. Oh my god! I know it, it's gonna get it's getting dark. They're from a dark place, the zombie. So one thing with the, with the Haitians was that if you committed suicide, you wouldn't uh, go back to Africa and be free. You would actually be trapped as a slave uh, in a slave's body, in like a mindless slave body, in this strange land. In this strange land. In other words, Adam, a mm-hmm. zombie. Yeah. So if you killed yourself, you would become a zombie. But also you can think you can think that like the zombie comes from being a slave, being a pr- being basically a prisoner inside of yourself. And is it isn't it spelled Z O M B I? There's no Z O M B I E. Oh, it, no, no, there, my bad, dude. Yeah. Z O M B E. E. Okay. Yeah. The I E came I think came like right before George Night of the Living Dead. Okay. Or I yeah. Am Legend, the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but hey. So the the zombie comes from being a like you can imagine being a slave. You don't have control of any part of your life. You're being told what to do all the time. Yeah, that's where the idea of a zombie comes because you're a prisoner in your own self. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So it's that plus you know the belief that if you if you kill yourself, you will actually become a zombie to like just work in the sugar plantations for all eternity. So you would just you just be this mindless kind of automaton, right? Which calling is, the sugar plantation forever, right? Which they already. Are anyway as a slave, so it's really from the misery of slavery. Okay, is what is what it comes from. Okay, yep. so luckily after the Haitian Revolution in 1791, go Haitian Revolution. It's considered the largest and most successful slave rebellion in the Western Hemisphere. It succeeded in ending slavery in Haiti and French control over the colony. Okay, so after this, the zombie became part of Haitian folklore and it folded into the Haitian voodoo religion. So after the after the rebellion. It went from being this the slave kind of like metaphor to being a part of the vo- the Haitian voodoo religion, mm-hmm. voodoo culture. Yeah. So mm-hmm. at that point, they believed that zombies were corpses reanimated by reanimated by shamans and voodoo priests. Dogs making some noise. Okay. According to the UC Irvine professor Amy Willens. After the rel- after the revolution, Haiti actually teetered on the brink of bringing slavery back. I have no idea how they would why why they would want to bring it back. Who won the revolution? The slaves. The slaves won the revolution. So how what, is, what does that mean? Bringing it back? They, they so they won the revolution. They kicked the French out. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. they got rid of slavery. However, yeah. after they won this, they actually almost brought slavery back multiple times. Why? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um. So the zombies of the of the Haitian voodoo religion, they're they're kind of like. They're said to be some of the feelings, like the the anxiety of slavery coming back, mm-hmm. like like a shaman raising the dead. Yeah, right. It's like that the anxiety of oh shit, this like this horrible thing is coming back. So zombies, the really anxiety st- that people had. Zombie really started with like Caribbean voodoo. Well, it started with slavery. Slavery. And, it, it started with slavery in the Caribbean, but it really meshed with the Creole 
Caribbean voodoo. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Okay, cool. Now we're gonna cross the seas, okay? Okay. The first mention of a zombie in the in the US was published in eighteen thirty eight, um, titled The Unknown Painter. Okay, it was a newspaper article. A young slave owned by a painter claimed that a zombie appeared in the art studio every night to work on the painter's apprentice paintings. Okay? So you can think that this young slave maybe had spent spent some time in the Caribbean. Right? He was maybe in, in touch with that with that he, with, with that culture. He thought did he actually think there was a zombie coming to do his painting? So yeah, so he, he was working he was a slave for a painter. Yeah. Okay. And he said that Every night, a zombie came and tried to finish the painter's apprentice paintings. So there's talk about this being okay. like actually what the young the young slave is saying that himself he was finished he was actually working on the paintings. Okay, so these zombies aren't eating people yet, right? They're just like finishing people's paintings. No, shit. they're really just a metaphor for slavery. Okay, at, at this point. Okay. Oh, so he's like the the anxiety, the cloud right. of slavery still follows him. Wherever he goes. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, he is a slave to this painter. Uh-huh. He's working on the paintings. Yeah. Right? How, however, newspapers in the U.S., like, latched on to this story. Okay. And this was ba- this was published, like, everywhere. Because the idea of the zombie was very intriguing to people. Mm-hmm. Okay? In 1929, travel writer William C. Rook wrote a book on Haiti and voodoo called titled The Magic Island. Okay? This this brought the concept of the, of the zombie to most people and was the impetus for the first zombie fo- zombie film, White Zombie. And then also for the 1968 classic, Night of the Living Dead. And that's when, 1968, the Night of the Living Dead, that's where we really get modern day zombieism. Okay. Right, Night of the Living Dead okay. is when you so first that's see from, zombies eating people. Yeah, so that's from, just, just, just to re- recap, yeah. that is from slavery when zombies first came around. All the way down to Night of the Living Dead, the George Romero movie, 19, 1968, yep. which is modern, which is modern day zombieism. That's how we got here. Right. And that was inspired by I Am Legend, the book. Didn't know that. Which, uh, 19, which was written before 1950, 1950s book, which showed the, um, the kind of the Romero zombie, the slow walking, I want to eat, eat your brains kind of zombie that was in that book in the 50s. So the movie was inspired by the book. Okay. The same, the same book that was like the Will Smith movie. Yeah, yeah. Remade way later. Adam. Yeah. Tell us about real life zombies. Okay, so zombies aren't just in popular fiction. They're actually all over the real world. We're going to look at some examples. The first obvious example is carpenter ants in the Amazon jungle. Okay, this is really fucking gross, honestly, and disturbing to watch videos Yeah, give it. Give it a Halloween special. Give the people the grossness. So about a foot off the ground, if you're in the Amazon jungle, you can see carpenter ants with their pincers locked around a leaf but why are they locked around a leaf because they have been infected with ophiocordyceps unilateris also known as the zombie ant fungus it's it's also just known as cordyceps fungus the pincers locked around what their pincers are stuck inside of a leaf they're just hanging on a leaf and there's also some other feature that's very noticeable it's that they have a giant stem coming out of the top of their head okay it's like alien slurp like alien shit you like know? Prometheus shit? It's like per- slurp, 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 a slurp, slurp session. Prometheus shit. It has a stem coming out of the top of their head, and on that stem it has like a bunch of bulbs. And that stem is the fungus that infected the ant, and it's raining down on the other ants. Okay, so ant, fungus, ant, huge stick coming out of its head. Yeah. Fungus. It's ra- The fungus raining down on other ants, and its pincers are locked on a on a leaf. Yeah, here's the whole process, okay? The fun- once the fungus gets on the ant, the fungus, once the spores get on the ant, they form 
a network around the ant's muscles, and the ant's body gives way to control of the fungus. It's unclear if whether the fungus um, does something to the nervous system or whether it actually controls the muscles, but it doesn't get to the ant's brain. Like the fungus isn't on the ant's brain. So it's quite possible that the ant is like watching itself be taken over by this fungus around oh its God. muscles. Right. So the fungus wraps around its muscles and the ant is compelled to leave the colony, climbs up a nearby plant to about like, you know, like a foot off the floor. So, but actually not compelled, like its muscles are, it's, it's controlling its muscles. Yes. Not compelled. It's like forced, forced, it's forced. Yeah. forced. To leave the colony, climb up a nearby plant where the environment up there, like a foot off the ground, is perfect for this fungus to grow. And in a lot of videos, they show the ant climbing up to these kind of moist, mossy areas of the tree. You're like, wow, it's very fungal. It just looks like fucking fungal up in there. Um, and then the ant bites into that leaf, and that's the last thing it ever does. It just bites in the leaf like a death bite, and that's to anchor itself so it doesn't move. The fungus does that. So it doesn't move. Then it... It slowly dies, and the fungus eventually, like, when the ant is all, like, withered and basically has, like, cobwebs on it and is definitely a dead ant, the fungus shoots a spore, um, a stalk, specifically, out of its head and produces spores that rain down on the other ants. Down on the ground. Yeah. So the stalk the stalk comes after the death grip. Yeah, the stalk is about as big as the ant itself. So if you're in the forest, you see these just trails of ants with the fungus coming out of its head. In the trees? In the trees, like a foot off the ground. That's wild. I wonder so that, that, it's crazy how this fungus evolved. Sorry. That doesn't just happen to ants. That happens to... It can happen to tarantulas. You see them. It can happen to all sorts of spiders. Like the cordyceps fungus just does this to basically everyone. It, it does this to spiders as well? Yeah. What if when is it gonna start doing it to humans? When are we gonna when are we gonna start climbing up have a house, seen, climbing up a house and locking onto a death? Have you seen Prometheus? Have you seen Prometheus? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When are we, when are we gonna be inoculated with a fungus that just spores us and then we spore other people? Yeah, this spores us and then we start we start we, we climb up on a house, lock on the roof in a death grip, and then we start sporing other people down on the ground. That's terrifying. I mean. The, it's think about how complicated that of an act that is for the fungus. It has to take over like the mechanisms of the ant's body, and then it makes it you know climb up the tree to its perfect environment, and then it shoots something out of its head. It, it, it's absolutely metal. But its but, nature is metal. Na, but shit. but you're saying that it does that with spiders and shit too. Yeah, it does. So the, I think that's insane to me that it's able to actually but do it for multiple there's creatures. Specific, there's specific cordyceps, right, for each one that just uh, evolve with the ants with these carpenter ants. Like, there's specific cordyceps for spiders. There's specific ones for ants. Like, they evolve with the species in order to just, just feast off of them and attack they them. There must have something in it to not wipe the ant out too fast. They can destroy whole hives of ants. The cordyceps fungus? Yeah. This thing is awful. Yeah, it's crazy. We'll, we'll post some pictures on Facebook. I got the chili, I got the chili willies. Okay, Halloween good. special. So, let's get into wasp or larva. Turning things. This is all... We're getting all up in the insect shit. They like to turn things into zombies. A uh, wasp larva, okay, it's about as big as a spider it attaches to. It waits to, it waits, it's unclear, scientists say, how it actually attaches itself to young spiders, but it does. It waits and then it kind of attaches itself to its back, and it's big. Like a wasp larva is the size of this, it's like this gelatinous little blob, um, insidious little blob that attaches itself to spiders. So on its back, and it grows to control the actual spider's brain. 
somehow. So it, this one's controlling the brain. And it also for people, it looks like a big 10-gallon hat on top of a spider. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, it's huge. Um, so these spiders that it attacks are social spiders. Okay, so they're meant to be with each other. They raise their young in like big colonies of thousands, these spiders. So what the the wasp larva does is it forces the spider to once again leave the colony, spin a web, and then it eats it. It literally sucks the uh, juices dry from the spider. So it makes it, it makes it leave the web and then it sucks its juices. Sucks its juices dry. And then the spider just drops and then the larva spins a cocoon in its web and then becomes a wasp. It's fucked up. So wasps it, are fucked. It, it, it make it makes it makes the spider leave its fuck leave its spider allies. Yeah. Go off into its own, spin its own web. Yeah. And then it drops to the ground or, or then it, it eats the spider from the inside out and uses its web as a cocoon. Here's the process, Noah. Sorry, give it to me. Again. Wasp larva on spider's back. Yeah, yeah. Force the spider to leave colony. Yeah. Sucks the juices from spider Suck the drive. juice. A spider drops. Okay. Then wasp larva, using the web that was spun for it, rolls a cocoon and becomes a wasp. When I say roll a cocoon, you're like, wasp, what, what how, is that? How does the wasp larva get onto the back of the spider? They don't know. They being, they really? being the scientists that study it. It is unknown currently how the wasps actually attach itself to young spiders. Because it's a larva. For some reason they prefer young spiders. I don't know why. Because it's a larva, right? The, the wasp is a larva. And then, and then the wasp becomes a wasp. And the wasp becomes a wasp. Fuck wasps. So more about wasps, okay? The uteroset wasps. These are known as the the grave robber wasps. Okay. There's something called a gall. Do you know what a gall is? A gall? When someone has gall, you got a lot of moxie. Got a lot of moxie. Yeah. In the wasp world, do you know what a gall is? Uh, is it is it like the thing that a turkey has? Uh, if you're walk <laughs> if you're exactly. walking around the forest, especially in the Sierra Nevadas, you'll see these balls that are about as big as a baseball, approximately. And they're like on plants and trees. And that is a wasp nest. Basically, that's how wasps lay their eggs. They're all over the place. Okay. I think that it's like at the end of, um, basically at the end of, I'm going to say spring, spring. I don't know. I probably got that completely wrong. That's where I remember seeing them the most. Okay. So that's how they lay their eggs in these baseball sized little like um, growths on trees and plants. So what these wasps do, it forces itself into the gall of another wasp. Um, specifically, it feeds on a wasp called the pallid, the Batia pallida, and it goes in there and it forces the pallida to make holes in its gall, stick its head in the hole, and die. Say that again. Say that last part again. Two wasps, right? <laughs> We're talking about two wasps here. Yeah. The, I'm just going to use com- the common name. The grave robber wasp, okay? And it's bitch. Okay, it's, <laughs> it's bitch wasp. Yeah. So it goes into the bitch wasp's skull, which is a baseball. That is where the bitch wasp lays its eggs. It goes into the bitch wasp's skull. It forces the bitch wasps somehow. Who is the bitch wasp? It's a, it's a smaller wasp. Okay, yeah, keep a scientific going, keep going. name. Who's the fucking scientific name? You know, like, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, What's it going to yeah, yeah. Okay, it forces them to stick their heads into the gall, into the ground. Yeah. Just thus suffocating them. Okay. And then it lays its eggs inside of the other wasp's gall. And then its egg, its little wasp babies, eat the uh, bitch wasps. And then they hatch out of the gall. Fucking Fucking insects. wasps, honestly. Fucking okay, wasps, Okay, let's honestly. get away from insects just for a second. We're sort of going to be talking about another fungus. Frog sex zombies, Noah. 
that and this, and this is, is right this on brand. This is right for you. Frogs. This is what I want, zombies. baby. Okay. The path, the pathogenic fungus, BD. I'm not even. I mean, once again, I'm not gonna say its scientific name, okay? Because it's you know like just don't do it. Monkey it doesn't make shit. It. It's so stupid. B, it's a thing. BD. Yeah. Okay. It affects tree frogs' mating calls. By a study published in 2016 by the University of Seoul, studied the mating calls of Japanese tree frogs. They noticed that these calls exhibited by the male frogs infected with the virus were perhaps they hypothesize stronger than the ones without. So let's hear them right now. Oh, I love it. Cue it up. Okay. Here is without, here are the frogs without the fungus, their mating calls. Oh my God, I'm getting an erection. Oh my God, it's happening. I know. (laughs) You want me to leave the room? Oh my God. Okay. So that is without the fungus. Then they study the mating calls of frogs with BD, the pathogenic fungus. And here's what they sound like. You decide if they are stronger or weaker, this sound. Strong, faster, much faster. Faster, right? Way faster, more, stronger. More, I mean, for me, pulsing, for me, it's much, it's much more effective for, for me, for rousing you're, me. You're getting more out I'm of getting it. more aroused, yeah, because of the fast. Okay. <laughs> so basically, Sounds like frogs humping, honestly. It sounds uh, yeah. like frog humping. So the frogs with the virus or with the fungus had a stronger and faster mating call. And they think that's because the fungus wants the frog to attract a mate so that it can infect them. So it makes them sexier, basically. It's like a <laughs> sex zombie. So it makes them sexier so they attract a mate. Yeah. Better. This reminds me of a zombie, like a weird zombie movie I saw where um, this dude goes to bars to get other dudes. To get other dudes. Like to seduce them, mm-hmm. and he gets the dude to come back, and then he kills them. He puts them in the fridge, and then he feeds the dude he seduced to his girlfriend, who's tied up, who's a zombie, who's a tied up zombie. Gets dudes, seduces them, takes them back. Here's the process once again, Noah. Okay, <laughs> yeah, get it again. Number one, he goes to the bar, huh? seduces another male. Okay. Number two, he brings the male back. Number three, he yeah. kills him. Number four, he puts it, he chops his body up, puts it in the fridge. Sorry, freezer. By fridge, I mean freezer. Number and then number five, he dethaws and <laughs> feeds it to his girlfriend that's chained up in the bathroom because she's also a zombie. And scene. And scene. All right. So why does the frog do the mating call faster? Um, not sure. I mean, it, it's a it's definitely a stretch to say right now that the fungus is what causes it, but that's what that's what they think. So so okay, hold on, hold on. So the fu- is the fungus. So the fungus. This is kind of symb. It's it's it's. What's it's not symbiosis, but it's the middle because it seems like this doesn't really affect the frog frog natively. Yeah, well, here's what's hard to tell. It's hard to tell if it's because of the fungus or it's like a byproduct of something else the fungus is doing. It's so is it intentional by the fungus to make it sexier? Because if it is intentional, intentional to make the frog sexier, that's obviously pretty crazy. That's like it's extremely complicated intelligence, right? Right. So what? Why does the does the fungus then switch to the other frog? Is the is the fungus yeah. affecting the frog negatively in any way? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. What what is it doing? It's killing it. It's killing the frog. Okay, slowly. that was important. Yeah, absolutely. That was important. Lead with that. Yeah, it's a leader. It might be sexier, but it's dying. Okay, okay, so it's a sexier frog that's dying, and then when something <clears throat> comes to mate with it, it's yeah. gonna hop onto that thing. Right. <clears throat> Everybody going to the hey. bar right now, just realize that they might be sexier. Okay, you're going to the bar in coronavirus. I don't know what to tell you. You know, but they might also be dying at the same time. They might so be, be sexier, be but also they might have the frog virus. Yep. 
Hey, wait. So, so then obviously the virus hops onto the other frog it's mating with it. Yeah. That's how it propagates. Yeah. That's a cool one. The sex frog sex virus. And that is a wrap for real life zombies. And scene. And scene. Um, all right. We're going to get into states of deprived consciousness and, and the really. real zombies of our yeah, world. Yeah. The real zombies. I'm going to talk specifically about what is called homicidal som- <laughs> somambulism. Okay. Somambulism? And now to put it in a term for normal people, it's called killing people while sleepwalking. Okay. Okay. So yeah. this is a real thing. Okay. And this is according to Eric Sma, who is the professor of zombies, madmen, and serial killers at Rollins College Philosophy Department. Okay. So there are multiple cases, Adam, of someone sleepwalking and killing someone. A lot of the cases you can probably imagine, they're just pretending to say that so they get out of jail time. So so most of these cases, when they come to court, they get totally thrown out. And they're like, no, you you were not sleepwalking, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. We're talking about one, the most famous case of this. Okay. This is the following. In 1997, a Canadian murder case involving a 23-year-old Canadian man. He gam- so he ga- a Canuck. A Canuck. Yeah. Weird. Canucks are so friendly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gambled away money from his savings and, and gambled away money that he embezzled from his company. Okay. Okay. Not, not good. Not good. So that's the situation that he's in. He, he drove 30 miles to the home of his wife's parents. He killed his mother-in-law and tried to strangle his father-in-law. Okay. Okay. Right afterward. And the police say with blood, with blood all over his clothing. Okay. He went directly to a police station and reported that he thought he had just killed two people. Whoa. Yeah. Moment of science. Some crazy shit. Okay. So what happened? So he pled um, homicidal somnambulism. God damn. Basically sleepwalking. He he pled that he had sleepwalked and killed people. And there's been proof that anxiety and stress are a causer of sleepwalking. Okay, so that doesn't make you kill people, right? I doesn't make you kill kill people, but what Eric Small says at Rollins at Rollins College is that this is basically proof that while you're sleepwalking, you can do very complex things. If yeah. the dude if the dude was actually sleepwalking, are there other but, cases of so, so supposedly this dude mm-hmm. with you know he killed his his mother in law and father he had a, like a good relationship with his mother in law and father in law. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. So no. So no reason to really do this except for you know all the the gambling shit that he was he was under. Okay. So what happened? So the jury actually accepted his defense that he was sleepwalking and they acquitted him, and it was a decision that was later upheld by the Canadian Supreme Court. So they let him go. Instead that you were sleepwalking and it wasn't your fault. It's fucking softy Canucks. I know it's a little soft. I've read a lot of court cases that they were like, no. Uh, They're like, no, you, you, you killed them. Is there any other time in recorded history that that this happened? So this has happened a couple, a couple other times. But like I said, this is, this is one of the only cases that the jury and then following the Canadian Supreme Court Mm -hmm. actually ruled that he was sleepwalking. So as far as the Supreme Court ruling goes, you can kill people while you're sleepwalking. What's his evidence for? What was the evidence for sleepwalking? He doesn't remember and stuff like that. He doesn't remember, but like when you read it, you're like, oh, like you know, it could have been a. Pl-. I mean, he went right to the police station. He turned himself in. When did he wake up? Oh, that's a good one. He said, "I I read somewhere that he woke up when he was in the middle of like strangling, like like killing his mother-in-law." Oh my god. Yeah, but again, I'm I'm not totally sure. Okay. But interesting one to look into more. Okay. So um Eric Eric Small says that 
basically, um, yeah, you can do very complex things when you're sleepwalking. So you can think of this, Adam. Have you, have you, and, and you listener, have you ever been driving a car and like suddenly realized that you've been driving for like 15 minutes and you've kind of haven't been paid? It happened to me last night. Yeah, totally. And just space. I just did this out. last night when I drove to, to soccer. Yeah. You just space out and then you're just like, you're just there. Yeah. So that's basically this. You're basically sleepwalking in that state. So he says your neural, your level of neurological activity, it's not static. So it goes up and down all day. Mm-hmm. Eric Small characterizes people that go into like this low energy state. He characterizes them as as neurological zombies. So sometimes when you're driving, you're a neurological zombie. And you go into a low energy state. Yeah, a low energy state, a neurological what does that zombie. Mean? Does your actual brain waves slow down? Your very brain good. Activity? Oh, very good. Okay, so brain waves are measured in hertz, Adam. Nor- normal consciousness frequency. Otherwise. Yeah, normal normal consciousness is at forty hertz. So normally when you're walking around the day, you're at forty hertz. So yeah. Okay, yeah. a neurological zombie. What do you think it is? Uh, How many hertz do you think it is? I don't. Uh, neurological zombie. I don't know. Is it half of that? Two hundred. Okay, that's what I thought. I thought it'd be like fifteen. Well, Adam, it would be less. Forty hertz is normal, mm-hmm. right? So we would be less if we said, had less, less, four, less hertz. I thought you said four hundred. No, forty. Forty. Okay. Yeah. So is it twenty? Uh, so that's what I thought, but no, no. A neurological zombie is at thirty-seven hertz. So only three hertz less can okay. turn you into a neurological zombie, where you're just basically coasting. Yeah, you're, you're coasting. You're ba- you're basically you're basically just coasting. But that happens a lot when you do any kind of menial task, like if you're that you've done a lot before. Like if you're like sure. take, taking out the trash or like cleaning dishes or something like vacuuming. that. Vacuuming. Yeah, vacuuming. Can that happen? Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're it, when you're doing those activities, you're probably at 37 hertz. That's so funny. Okay, so what happens yeah. when you're a neurological zombie, and why do we do that? He's not. He's we're not. We're not. We're not sure. I mean, you you probably do that because. Staying at a, it's like resting your brain. Your brain's resting for when it, for when it's needed. Hmm. Yeah. Um, sleepwalking, just, just, a just a cool thing about, about sleepwalking. Sleepwalking happens. So it measured in 12 month spans. Mm-hmm. So every 12 months, uh, 5% of children will have one episode and 1.5% of adults will have a sleepwalking episode. It's much more common in children. Also interesting. Genetically. Um, there's a very high correlation with if your parents sleepwalk, then you will. So it's genetic. Somehow it is genetically passed down. So if your parents sleepwalked, you are 50% more likely to sleepwalk have, yourself. Have you ever met or lived with anyone with an intense sleepwalking issue? I have not. My, my fiance wakes up in the middle of the night and starts having conversations. It's really funny. She'll wake up and be like, yeah, put the trash out. <laughs> yeah. Every, like she'll do that a lot. Yeah. Okay. So now that we've fleshed out, <laughs> fleshed out, you get it the examples of real life zombies we're going to dive a little bit into the fictional gray area kind of undead space so for that we're going to bring in a zombie expert or an expert in zombie survival to help us figure out what we should do in the event of a zompocalypse because no one and i are obviously clueless and our expert's name today is cameron carlson cam he's an active duty officer in the united states navy he's conducted counter piracy operations in the gulf of aden and he has researched disaster relief effectiveness around the world also Importantly, most importantly, he is an expert in outdoor survival. Um, also, he has a really awesome YouTube channel called The Zombie Files. It's great, and it's all about how to survive an actual zompocalypse, so he's obviously perfect for this podcast. He manages also a super informative and extremely, I will say extremely, entertaining website called The Zombie Research Society. You should go check it out. So, once again, this dude rocks, and he knows about zombies. So we're going to run 20 minutes of this interview. And I will just say right now 
that Noah and I, Cameron, we can't wait to join your community as janitors when the Zompocalypse officially goes down. Cameron also, as a side note, he was such an amazing guy. He reminded both of us so much of like all the friends we've been missing back home and and around the country. And I did get a little sad after talking to him just because he seems like such a cool, a cool dude. Okay, so here's Cameron. And as always, if you want the full interview, just send us a message on Facebook and we will send it your way. Okay, enjoy. Where, if we, if, if there was like a realistic apocalypse that happened, how would it go about? Like, how would it happen? So in the movies, it's like, it just happens all at once. All the communications are down and we're, we're screwed. Right. So how would it go down realistically? So if you look at, so look at, okay. So first situation, look at what we're doing with, with um, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, right? That's exactly how everything would spread. It would go from, it would go from, okay, there's a hint of something new, you know, overseas or in the United States, right? Yeah. No one really pays any attention to it. It's well, yeah, you know, we've seen something like this before. And the next thing you know, like it infects, it, it increases exponentially. Um, so what you'll have is you'll have that exponential increase, but the difference between what we're seeing now and, and a zombie apocalypse would be that you would have exponential mortality, like exponential death rate. Um, and then once that starts to happen, that's when you, that's when you start going to, you're going to see, all the things you see in the movies, you're going to see the infrastructure start to break down. You're going to see martial law being declared. You're going to see mass pandemonium. You're going to see mass religious hysteria. You're going to see um, basically basic essential services break down. The military then flees because guess what? Hashtag got a family twos. Um, <laughs> and then, and that's what then you're going to start seeing the complete collapse of like modern civilization and modern society where you're going to have any laws. You're going to basically revert to like being a savage. You're going to be, you know, vigilanteism, things like that. So it's, that's how it's going to progress. It's going to be very fast uh, or well, theoretically very fast if it progresses along the lines of like COVID did. Yeah. Okay. When, when you talk about the communications breakdown, I'm looking at all these zombie movies where the first thing that happens is like the radio or the phone dies. Like that's Crap. it. Right, that's complete crap. crap. <laughs> and then it's complete like, crap. That's like, the I'm worst. sorry. Like I, I'm sorry. So the phones, crap. Like these, like cell phones might go down depending on how jammed up the satellites get and the cell towers. But guess what? Things like this, little handheld VHF, oh, UHF no, radio. Yeah, I love this thing. Like it's like a tactical tracker and everything. Um, and for, for listeners, Strong has a sick radio. Yeah. Yeah. It's a badass radio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hashtag awesome. Um, anyway. Um, but I mean, come on. HF radio, like HF communications has been around hundreds of years. Like it, that's not going away. Period. Okay. Um, if you can access like HF, if you can, if you have an HF radio that has power, you can communicate period. Okay. Gotcha. Dude. So what's your first move after you climb up on the house and shout Wolverines at the top? What, what, what's your, what's your move after that? I'm gonna go back inside the house. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now you're in. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go. So, so that's and I get that question a lot because a lot of people you see like, oh, what's your first move? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in the car. I'm gonna go to the hills. Well, good, good luck, bro. I, you know, I guess I'm lucky. <laughs> um, but what people don't understand is like that first week, that first week, two weeks is crucial. Like you don't want to go anywhere because you and the rest of the other, you know, hundreds of millions of people are thinking the same thing. Let's get out of Dodge. You want to stay in the house. You want to stay in a place that you know that you're well protected, that you can monitor things and let things take its course. Um, 
listen to the radio, listen to, you know, broadcast, things like that. And then once things start to die down and you enter that, I want to say the vigilante phase where, you know, there are no, there is no infrastructure anymore. There is no response cells. Then you can start going out and venturing because now you're dealing with a whole different set of problems. You're dealing with zombies, uh, which are slow, stupid, and easy to avoid. And then you're dealing with the assholes that are the vigilantes, like, you know, they pick your movie that are out for themselves to take your crap. Yeah, yeah, the worst um, part, the worst part of the apocalypse. Right, yeah, the zombies are easy. Like, come on, it's, who cares? Um, but it's the, it's the other types of human beings. So that's where, like, after about that two, three-week period, then you implement a plan, then you go where you need to go. Okay, gotcha. I mean, I, I want to, I really want to ask you about defensible positions, but first I want to talk to you about the type of zombie. So when you think the zombocalypse is happening, you're thinking about like a night of the living dead zombie. That's like walking pretty yeah. slowly up to you. So you're not thinking about like a world war Z rage zombie no. situation. No. no. Why is that? Why is that? Um, just because of the, the uh, unless there is a, unless there's a super bug that I don't know about that causes you know, super hearing and super quick running. Right. Then just based upon the physiological or the, the physiology of the human brain, it, everything that we do is a higher cognitive function. Speaking is a higher cognitive function. Running, um, you know, motor, like fine motor skills, higher cognitive functions. Mm -hmm. With, when you're brain dead, the whole, the whole definition of a zombie is it is a, it is a human reanimation of a small section of brain, like brain activity. That's it. So it's like just your basic functions. Right. Cause that's the, why you're not going to see that. The other zombies basically have superpowers. So it's like giving them superpowers right. as well. Have you, yeah. have you heard of homicidal somnambulism? Yes. Like uh, murder sleepwalking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Murder sleepwalking. Yes. So like, yes. what, um, yeah. the cases for that is like, we're talking about the, the 1996 Canadian case with, mm -hmm. um, so like yeah, he's he's sleepwalking. So it's not like he is. I mean, you can imagine he's not going super fast, probably. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. You're you're in such a deep state of sleep that you're. But you still. So that's the that's kind of weird because when you're sleepwalking, your brain thinks that you're awake. So, but it's weird. Yeah, your brain thinks that you're awake, or your body thinks that you're awake, but your mind doesn't. So your mind is still subconsciously giving you the ability to perform these tasks, uh, but you're not technically aware of it. So yeah, I guess you could assume that or that a zombie, just you're not dead. Yeah, I think it's I think it's crazy that that's actually happened, and like the, the like Canadian Supreme Court ruled that like that was it. He was he's murder sleepwalking. This dude was a murder sleepwalker. I mean. I would love to see the case study behind that and how they prove that one. Yeah, it, but uh, what's, exactly. what was crazy yeah. to me, but I know, but what was crazy to me is that so like the first court, right? So both two courts, two courts ruled that he was acquitted, basically. So I think that was kind. Mm -hmm. I think that was crazy. Um, I mean, I mean, if you if you can honestly prove it, then I think yeah, sure, why not? I mean, bravo. There were a lot of there were a lot of cases that they were like, no, you you were not murder sleepwalking, you're just a murderer. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to pull that defense because I'm going to lose. So yeah, yeah. Um, dude. So after you going back, going back to to what to what you want to do. So after you go back in the house, what is the first thing that you set up? So after your two weeks, you wait your two weeks, which I kind of, it's kind of counterintuitive because like you're kind of staying in a popular area, and I guess mm -hmm. running for the hills. I think that's what most people would. Do. Wait, wait, why? Why you say you want to stay because the resources in the house, right? Specifically. Mm. 
it's not so much it's well so yeah before the whole two weeks thing you you, you want to have at least 30 days of food like freeze-dried food which is literally okay. two buckets um water to survive that time frame but it's not so much food resources it's it's you know the area um your house is something that is easily defendable you don't know if you go someplace else you don't know the entrances and exits you don't know you know what the easiest point of entry is uh it's it's very hard to defend a place that you don't know yeah okay. that you don't know intimately okay Right, so it's exactly. like, yeah. So it's like when the colony like goes to the church to defend it, you know, that's not where you'd want to be. You want to be where you know. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So there's no backdoor zombie kind of shit. You don't get scared. Right, right, exactly. What if your house but okay, so but then I would say, what if you're what if you're in a city? If cuz if you're in a city and you live in like an apartment, don't you want to dip out of that? Yeah, what are we going to do? Because like we're in the middle of a city. And so I would think that we would have to get out of here. So that's why when I say, like, so for me, I'm in Norfolk, Virginia, but I'm in a house. I'm in, I guess you would call it a small city, like whatever, it doesn't, whatever. Um, I'm not in an apartment, let's put it that way. Um, if you have a plan, you know where you're going to go, and you have the, if you have the heads up ahead of time, then yeah, by all means, get out of Dodge to go someplace that you know you can survive. Um, because if you're trapped on like the ninth floor of an apartment building, well, you might as well just jump out the window. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ain't gonna, it ain't gonna work. <laughs> oh, um, shit. Yeah, it sucks. But then again, then again, you do have a defensible position. You have yeah. one way in, one way out. Yeah, okay. we're, we're we're getting out of here. We're ready to forage. Hey, that brings me yeah. to. I, I want to talk about weapons. Okay, we need, to, we need to talk about weapons. Let's be honest Dude. here. No, you'd be a runner. You're yeah, more of a I was, runner. I was gonna say, um, yeah. what would me and you, me and you, Adam, runner, runners, we have scout, so runner, we would just scout. run around. Yeah, we run. would that be our best skill? What I'm else can we? What, what else can we do? We nothing. would do. We could do nothing. But a janitor, janitor. You runner. could shoot. We, we can learn. learn we can learn how to someone shoot. Someone have to teach. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So what? So weapons. Okay. So for two people that have like literally barely shot weapons, what would be the best weapons for us to get? And then also, what weapons do you have? Someone that knows how to handle weapons. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I wish I had brought them all in. But Damn okay. it! Um, um, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna step off screen. I'm gonna grab something right around the corner. I'll be right back. Um, yes, okay. absolutely, yes. perfect. So That's exactly what we need. Okay, so oh, I slammed the pistol against the wall. That's good. Um, right, so we'll start with your basic. Get a knife. Oh okay. baby! Oh lovely. Any listener, you showing us like any, a, a knife that just popped open? That was really cool. Yeah, it's just any, it could be a pocket knife, it could be a folding knife, it can be anything. Um, but this is your number one key. This is, if you if you leave house with nothing else, leave with at least a knife. Am I killing zombies with that knife, or is that just mainly for survival? You can, you can, but I mean, let's be like, honest, this is only about a six-inch blade, so you're only... They're going to get me. Pass. I'm not, yeah, I'm not getting that close. Like, this is literally just for something for survival. Right, right. Because um, you're never going to know when you need it. Um, a hatchet would be good. Um, cause that could have all sorts of uses. Um, but weaponry wise, you have a knife and I always say that if you're going to go, you're going to need two things. You need a pistol or you need a survival rifle. And I don't mean a survival rifle by an AR. I mean like one of those 22 rifles that actually break down and you can actually store inside the stock. So, That's what I mean. So, so it's, so you so it's movable. So you can like move around with it. Yeah, literally it's, um, it's basically a rifle stock that okay. it has all of the pieces of a 22 rifle inside the stock. So you can break the thing down, put it in the stock and throw it in a backpack. And oh, so cool. it's tiny. I see. That's really cool. How, yeah. how small yeah, does that fold up to? That. 
Oh, okay. Uh, the, the stock's only about probably oh, nice. 12 inches. He's showing like a foot. It's yeah. Like a foot. So it's like a foot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then this, this is a 22 pistol. Um, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a ray gun. Yeah. I think yeah. It really looks cool. like a ray gun. Why is that the craziest so cool. thing I've ever seen? It's just one. It's called the Ruger, uh, Ruger light. And it's a 22, 10 round pistol. Um, is it, is, and, is it really light? Oh yeah. It's extremely light. So you can move um, around. So, so so things that are like very like movable, basically, mm-hmm. like with mm-hmm. high high, yeah, you, high mobility. Yeah. So you want light. You want light and quiet. Twenty um, twos are are inherently quieter than pretty much anything else. Uh, any rounds that you can buy, um, and you can actually get a suppressor for the end of it. That's what I was so, going to ask. Yep. So this this thing screws off. I'm not. I don't want. Yeah, it's on there pretty good. But this thing, this little compensator, screws off. You can put a suppressor on there, and you can roll with this. This thing will take down most, like pretty much any small game. It'll take down a headshot. You know, you take down a human being with this. Um, and it's ten rounds, easy to use. anybody anybody can learn how to use one of these things. Um, if you want to go higher than that, you can take uh, a nine millimeter pistol Sick. that I have. One of these. Uh, it's got a light and everything on it. Oh, whoa! Oh, nice light. Yeah. So, you I mean this is concealable? It holds 15 rounds, nine millimeter. Really compact, really portable. Put it in your waist, and you can you're ready to go. Um, but I mean, I've got a couple of I got a couple of shotguns, a couple of machine guns, yeah. um, high powered rifles. You name it. But the problem is, you're causing noise. The more noise you t- the more noise you create, the more attention you're going to attract. Um, and you want to be on the move. You want to be on the run. You don't need to carry a whole bunch of stuff. So I would say I would keep it compact, keep it light, and keep it something that you can manage. Because if you're talking about someone that's never shot before, yeah, a little 22 pistol that has almost zero recoil, that's like yeah. shooting a staple gun, is going to be what someone wants. They don't want a 45 caliber pistol, right? Or a you know a huge rifle. This is everything that you possibly need. So those are perfect for noobs trying to survive, basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. So, and, and I have a question about, so like a silencer, like in video games, the silencers basically makes it like completely silent, but how silent is like a silencer actually? So depending on the, depending on the rounds that you use, if you use normal, um, like normal rounds, um, it's going to be much, it is going to quiet the noise, but if you use a subsonic round, like for a 22, you'll take it down about probably 20 decibels. Um, so to the point that you could take this thing outside, shoot it, and you won't even need hearing protection. Really? Like this noise right here is about as, as about as loud as you're going to get. Like a loud cough. Yeah. Essentially. That's why it's like a a loud snap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hey, melee, melee weapons are, is that usable or really dumb? Because how about ammo running out? Yeah. Uh, so the good thing about a 22 is you can put about 7,000 rounds in a backpack. It'll be heavy as balls, but, uh, (laughs) you could do it. Um, but melee weapons. Oh yeah. You get a nice, you know, a good quality machete, um, like a hammer, um, a sword. You can get away with the sword as long as it doesn't break or bend on you. That'd be awesome. What what would be your melee weapon of choice? I feel like I would want a a bat. No, a hatchet. I feel comfortable with a bat. No, but a hatchet gets stuck. So if you swing a hatchet and it sticks in the thing, in the skull, you're screwed in the bone. Yeah, yeah. it would stick yeah. and then it'd bite you. Classic. Yeah. So a bat, a bat. Um, I feel like we're hitting. We're running and we're hitting. Yeah, 
uh, black iron pipe. Oh, really? a pipe, pipe. Really? Why a pipe? Uh, because if you think of a bat, most bats today, they are aluminum bats and they bend. They, if you hit something really hard with it or repeated, it'll bend, it'll butt, it'll break, it'll, you know, get indented, it'll lose its effectiveness. But an iron pipe, like a black iron pipe, you get from Home Depot, those things are thick and they are meant to take crazy amounts of damage. That's all. And Chris Graven from Home Depot. Hell yeah. <clears throat> okay. Let's say that you're in your house, right? But there's a group of survivors that you want to go join. So you're going to get with a group. Your survival pack, how much exactly does that weigh? And what does that have in it that's crucial? Your go pack. So mine, so I've got different, I've got different setups. Um, I've got a box, like a, like a chest here for the house that has a bunch of different stuff in it. Um, but then my backpack, I have a large uh, camelback backpack. And fully loaded, I think it weighs probably around 35 pounds. And inside that is uh, about a week's worth of freeze-dried food. Because uh, it packs really small, it's got a like thermos full of water, or a camelback bladder full of water. It's got a life straw, which are clutch, by the way. What is What's that? that? What's yeah, that? What that? Uh, a life straw is basically a it's a straw that's about I don't know nine inches long, and it has a filter inside of it that you can actually drink from any water source, pretty much. That's insane. And it fil- yeah, and it filters out ninety nine point like eight percent of microbes. So just um, stick the straw right in a stream and you're good to go. Defensible position. So yeah. when we have to dip mm-hmm. when we have to dip out of our Portland apartment complexes, where are we where are we going? What building? What building are we going to? What do we want to defend? Some place that you can get high but has different that has multiple exit like egress points. Um, like for instance, an office building if you can. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but if you blockade one major or one main entrance or exit for anybody coming up, you can then look down and see every action going on beneath you, but you can also get out if you need to and still have that one defensible position there. Yeah, I see. I, I see. So like a corporate office building. Bingo. Then we're, we're, we're good to go. Is that because there's no like hidden doors or weird... So we're breaking into Amazon, basically. Elements? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's because... There, well, yeah, it's... It's not only that there aren't any hidden doors, but it's multiple points that if something was to fail, you can fall back to another section and okay. create yet again another defensible barrier. Would you use the cubicles as barriers? No. Be, no. You, would you get rid of the yeah. cubicles because of line of sight? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would get rid of the cubicles. I would, I would forcibly align the cubicles up so it would create like a fatal funnel where I can see down and I can throw rounds down range. While things only have one way of coming, right, 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 kind of line the path that way. Yeah, it's like tower, mm-hmm. tower defense situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now, now I'm really liking the office building. Yeah, I like the office. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> plus, plus bathrooms, they're already there. Plus corporate bathrooms, yep. plumbing, water, and maybe Easy some, day. maybe some corporate motivation posters too on the wall. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Hey, hey, whatever, whatever makes it, whatever makes us smile. To keep <laughs> to keep us to keep us going. Um, That's right. Skills. So you said you, you said earlier you were, like looking for people to acquire skills. What are the best skills that you're looking to acquire? Yeah, um, for your we're trying to get recruited to we're, your zombie team. Yeah, we I don't think we have any we're, of the skills, but what, what it would be need? tight. What do we need? <laughs> so yeah, you'll be you'd be amazed at how long it takes somebody, or how long it doesn't take someone to become proficient in something. Um, for instance, um, I make guns. I have a forge in my backyard for blacksmithing and bladesmithing. Damn. Um, woodworking. Uh, radio comms, um, 
if you haven't figured it out, I don't really know what I want to do when I grow up. So <laughs> that, that um, makes three of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, it's the tangible shit. Um, can you weld? Can you forge metal from, you know, can you apply heat to metal and make it into something? Uh, can you make, can you make things? Because anything that is a tangible skill provides a huge um, asset, you know, in a survival situation. Um, and survival skills in general, like, can you read a book? Do you know what to look for in the wilderness? Things like that. So anything tangible, I would say. How about, here's a curveball. How about programming? Does that have a place in the colony? Maybe? Depends. It depends. I mean, programming is nothing more than looking at patterns and then, you know, um, establishing what those patterns mean and how you can exploit them. So yeah, I mean, you could probably, you could probably figure something out. And because even even if you come across uh, like an office building or an industrial complex, you know, programmers do run those machines. So if you actually can apply, if you can figure out a way to apply those skills, then you're good to go. You now make yourself invaluable to the team. Okay. For how about like for Noah? Noah, I see you could be like the minister of enjoyment. You know, what if you need someone to just I'm bring the, the minister good, of to bring enjoyment the good to, to bring the good time? I, you know? I think that's last guy just on the team. The guy who like has minister of enjoyment is like last place on no, the team. It's for morale. Ready. For morale. It's really important. Yeah. Right? No, minister really of enjoyment. Is. Um, dude, before we let you go, any last piece of advice, real important piece of advice for all of us, for all of us, for all of us, uh, amateur survivors out there when the apocalypse goes down. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, I got just two pieces of advice. One, go out and buy the book, um, how to live in the woods. Um, it's an absolute must book for anybody who wants to go out and like, you know, start planning their escape. That's cool. Uh, teaches, teaches all sorts of cool things. Um, I actually like love that book and then, um, read, read everything that you can, um, learn new skills. Cause when it comes down to it, you might be the only person that, you know, you can depend on because guess what? You don't have to be the fastest person, just faster than Adam. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, We're already good there. We're good there. There so, we go. Yeah. That's my strategy. So, I'm gonna kinda like I'm just gonna kinda I'm just gonna run past yeah. you. <laughs> right, exactly. But <laughs> excuse me, yeah, but um but read. That's my biggest that's my biggest um my biggest tip. Read read and learn. Those are good life lessons as well. Yeah, pretty much. Awesome. Don't be a bag of ass. Don't be an ass bag. That's what I'm gonna say to the fucking dude to the bad suck pod. Just stop being ass bags. Yeah, stop being ass bags. <laughs> stop being ass bags. You guys are you guys are ruining it for everyone. <laughs> dude, cool. That was great, man. Thank you very uh, much for coming where, on. Where can uh, where can people find you? Yeah, where can people find you and see your stuff? Um yeah, so uh, I got so you can go to the zombie research society.com uh, or just Google uh, Zombie Research Society. Also, you can uh, YouTube me. The YouTube channel is called The Zombie Files. You'll notice it uh, with a skull with two cross rifles. Cool. Uh, I got a bunch of cool uh, survival uh, videos on there about how to make water, um, how to start a fire, uh, things of that nature. And I'm going to put a shameless plug out for the Zombie Research Society. Yep, do it. Because, you know, uh, Zombie Research Society is currently doing their membership drive. Uh, it is... Going until approximately November 14th, we got <clears throat> three different tiers of, <clears throat> excuse me, membership. And one will get you a cool card. One will get you, like, a second tier will get you a whole bunch of cool swag. And then the third tier will get you probably some cool stuff, like maybe even a custom forged uh, survival knife from yours truly. Oh, um, nice. Ooh, we, need, we need, you know, we, we need, yeah, we need the help. Uh, we, we really want the members. Uh, we're trying to get it uh, up and running, like, to full capacity for members. So, you know, go over to Z- uh, zombieresearchsociety.com. Uh, check that out. And I think if you don't mind, I think I've got the actual link here. 
It is www.indiegogo.com Projects Zombie Research Society Membership Drive. So there you go. Stay mobile. Go to an office if you have to. I mean, stay in your house, but if you have to, you go to an office. Get a high-frequency radio like Cameron had to ride out the storm. And most of all, watch out for the real monsters. And who is that? That is us. That is humans. Okay, let's get back to the podcast for Open Kimono. Okay, Open Kimono, Adam. Honestly, I give you an A plus for the sounds today. You had the frogs. You're ready to go with those sounds. Thank you. I try. Hey. Yeah. I have a big shout out, but let's do, let's do the, um, open kimono got open kimono where I think about zombies. Zombies are never the monsters. Okay. The monsters are us ourselves in every zombie show in every zombie book. It's how we treat each other. It's what we do to the environment. We are the problem, not the zombies. Zombies are just like a natural event. Zombies are like a a, like a, a flood or a giant fire, right? They're there. You know, to just set as a backdrop, but it's about what we do during the zombie apocalypse that shows who we are. Like, you know, some people would get really into survival, right? Or some people might get really, be really brutal into brutality and just all this fucked up stuff. But other people would be like, this is a great opportunity to take responsibility and maybe like, you know, be a gardener or something I always wanted to try but never got to in the real world. So that's why I think it's cool to read zombie stuff. I think that it was. I think that it was really cool to see uh, where zombies came from. As as dark and horrible as it is, yeah, it makes total sense. It comes from human suffering. It comes from human suffering and misery and being like you ever have you ever had to do like have you ever had to do something that you really didn't want to do all the time. Yeah, and you're just like fucking yeah, even slave to this thing. Even the sleepwalking and the um, you know, it, sleepwalking and uh, the other example of the painter. I mean, it comes from things that you don't want to do. Yeah, or anxiety. Well, it just it comes from just horrible, horrible, horrible human suffering. That's what a zombie is. A zombie is something unfinished. It's like it it couldn't die. It couldn't pass on because it's but it has no control. It's the uncontrol. It's the non-control of yourself. But it's something that you have no closure on. That's a zombie. Well, I think it's the I think it's the lack of control. The lack of control, like like as like as a slave probably felt the lack of control of their own body of of what they could do daily. The lack of that lack of control. Yeah, but no one becomes a zombie that dies peacefully in their sleep. Like, you don't think about it like that. Someone becomes a zombie when they're, like, brutally murdered or something, and you think their ghost is haunting you, or they could come back to life, you know, to avenge themselves. It was not a good death. You know, maybe it speaks a little bit to, like, how we want to pass on also. What are your thoughts? To be honest? Yeah. Lost me a little bit there. TBH? Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why I lose you? So, because like a zombie to me isn't about like the the afterlife or passing on. That's more like a ghost. Yeah, I don't agree. Don't agree with. Why that. don't you agree? Because zombies are the undead, right? They come back from the dead. So usually, when a zombie comes back from the dead, something it's that like, will, okay, that's something that won't rest. It's, it's something, yeah, it's something that won't rest because in life, it its life ended in such a an a incomplete way, in such a horrible way, or there was too much suffering. There's something that needs to be finished. It didn't have a finished life, you know. Or there was so much suffering in its life that it can't die. It can't die. So, yeah. oh, okay, I get what you're saying. So, even, okay, let me let me put. So, I, I agree with this. Like, even in death, so like, there's so much suffering sometimes that even in death they're not free. They're not. That's free. the whole they, thing. They is can't that rest. They even can't rest. in death they cannot rest. Exactly. Yeah. And it makes total sense where it came from. Yeah. Hey, definitely. shout outs. Shout I want to give a huge shout out to all the ladies listening to this podcast. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for the listens. Okay. Actually. 
50%, 50% demographic. Ladies, we love you. Thank you for listening. I want you to give a shout out to the ladies. Shout out to the ladies. Shout out to the men. A shout out to the little boys, little girls. Shout out to the old men, old women listening to this. Shout out to the dogs, birds, leopards. Everyone listening to this podcast. Tigers. Shout out to Sarah's boyfriends as well. Shout out to Sarah's boyfriends. All the boyfriends. Hey, shout out to the love. Shout out to, shout out to the love we get from all of our friends. Shout out Thank to you. zombies. May you rest in peace. Thank you everyone for reviewing too. Not Thank you for the people zombie. who reviewed. You guys are awesome. Yeah, thank you. If you haven't yet. Not sure your actual name, but I can see your username, and that's tight. Listen, if you listen to a couple episodes, and you like the show, one thing you can do to really help us is to review. And Noah, if you're on your iPhone, iOS, hit that five-star rating right now. And if you're not, okay. find our Facebook page and give us a like. It really helps. Have a happy, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Zombie, 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 zombie. zombie.